What's going on, everybody? Welcome into a Monday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I'm John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter. So glad to be with you this evening, our last All Access show of the 2021 season. Yes, I know it's 2022 and the 17-game schedule, 18-week season throws me off. We always play the playoffs in one final week in the uh following year but it's always the season 2021 and we finished it yesterday unfortunately 28 25 lost to the Tennessee Titans man what a comeback to get back in that game that that close to a Jacob Martin sack that would have just sent the place into hysterics but got to give it to Ryan Tannehill the man pulled out a huge play at the right time. They made a throw to Julio Jones in the back of the end zone for a huge touchdown. But that was as fun and exciting, exhilarating a football game as there's been at NRG Stadium this year. So wish it could have gone out with a dub, but showed out in that second half. Got a bad call in the first half, but I don't complain about officials for the most part. But that P.I. call was a joke. A joke, I tell you. All right, what's not a joke are the guests that we have on this show this evening. we got Spencer Tillman going to join us. Andre Ware is going to be here as well on the show because we will take you all the way till 8 o'clock tonight. I will give you my ultimate 11 plays of the season. We'll look back at week 18 in the NFL, and oh my God, what a week it was. And then, because it'll be the last radio we do before the Super Bowl, I'm going to make my predictions. Brought to you by Caesars Rewards. Why not? But to kick off the show, how about a visit from the president of the Houston Texans, our good friend, Greg Grissom, right out the shoot. Mark, me, and the Prez. Greg Grissom, here we go. Joining us right now on Texans Radio, it's Texans President Greg Grissom. Greg, thank you for joining us. It's over the season, and uh, here we're just relaxing here in the studio after a long season, but a very entertaining season, especially down the stretch. That's right. It's great to see you guys. Appreciate you having me in for a few minutes, and thanks for all you do for our fans and just keeping everybody up to date. But it was it was an exciting year. Obviously, the last uh, few games were, were a lot of fun to see this team grow and progress and you know, the atmosphere in the stadium the last couple of games uh, was really, really a lot of fun to see our fans enjoying it and, you know, excited way to finish and can't wait to get going on 2022. Greg, your first season and your role as president of the team, how much changed for you or is it too much to even say on radio how much changed for you this year? Well, it's probably too much to say on radio, but, but you know, just having, you know, I think most you guys know, but I've been with the franchise since the beginning, so I had a chance to really step into this role, and it, it's a very different role than the role I had before, but but what doesn't change is just kind of uh, my love for the team, my love for the city and the organization and and, and uh, our fan base and just the excitement that we can. So it, it it's very different, a, a lot of change in my role, but um, uh, but really the core values of what makes this a place that I always want to be personally hasn't changed at all. Well, a lot has changed in the world, really. And yeah. last season with COVID, barely any fans. This season you come back in and – the world is undergoing this COVID hangover, yet you're still able to maintain this game day atmosphere that's second to none, really. So many great elements, and you added new stuff this year. No question. I mean, this year was a unique challenge. Just, I mean, when uh, 
just trying to get back to full capacity events. If you go back to the summer, I mean, we were still unsure about how that was all going to work and work through a lot of challenges as it relates to even staffing uh, the building in different ways. So we had so many different things happening, um, and, and everybody in live, in live events was dealing with the same thing. But um, And then, you know, wanting to, to welcome our fans back to the stadium, do some new things, uh, introducing uh, the, the DJ that we introduced, Cecil Shorts, who did an unbelievable job on the field, kind of interacting with the fans, some mixed reality, some different food and beverage options, so uh, mobile ticketing. So a lot of things that we tried this year, and we're going to keep trying to lean into how can we always be better in the future. But it, but it was a, it was a big year. Wait, the bull can move its head now. That's right. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, the bull can move its head. I mean, he, Smoke's coming every which way. Yeah, and, very and, lifelike. I, I can stand yeah. on the field and get run over by the waste management truck, too. <laughs> That's if right. you stand in the right spot. That's right. <laughs> I've always looked to see in this past week, I actually got run over by the truck. I was very, well, very excited may, about that. Maybe better the truck than the bull. I <laughs> yeah, don't know. That's, it, no, that's, uh, that's true. Greg, last week, I know when the email came into my inbox, I thought, oh, boy, this is going to be really interesting, and I couldn't wait to talk to you about season ticket plan, tickets. That came out, and I saw it, and I thought, wow, I know a lot of thought because we're in the building. I know a lot of thought and work and effort went into coming up with that plan. What's been the response you've gotten from potential season ticket members and from season ticket members themselves? Well, you're right. A, a lot of thought has gone into it, and it really goes back to just how can we evolve? How can we always challenge ourselves to be better? And so we spent a lot of time really going back to the summer looking looking at our season ticket plan and, and announced it last week as part of Fan Appreciation uh, Week just because we felt like that was the right time to just make sure our fans know and our season ticket members in particular know how much we appreciate them and how much we want to continue to invest uh, back in that program. So a lot of exciting things with that, but the response has been fantastic. Uh, we've already had thousands of uh, seats renewed, season ticket awesome. members um, uh, coming back and very positive, you know, a lot of new things that we've added into the program um, that they're reacting to very positively. So, so, uh, so far so good, you know, obviously uh, the whole off season's a, a process and, and we'll continue to work at it, but I'm really, really pleased uh, at the response where we are today. So it's season ticket membership redefined, right? Loyalty is a big factor here. So if you've been with the Texans for a long time, the savings are even bigger, right? Correct. I mean, it's really about three things. It was uh, new savings, more flexibility, and better benefits are kind of the three buckets of it. And so on the savings standpoint, yes, the longer you've been with us, uh, there were some uh, kind of a one-time price reduction that you can take advantage of depending on the time that you, you choose to renew. And that goes really from the uh, deadline of this February all the way through uh, May 5th, so just past the draft at those types of things. But the the uh, the better benefits and the more flexibility are things that we're hearing a lot about that people also appreciate. You know, talked about flexibility um, relative to um, some payment plans as a thing that, you know, we're in kind of a subscription-based society, Netflix, other things that you want. And so we wanted to adjust the way people pay to better fit that model. And so we've had a lot of positive events around that. And then kind of the um, the better benefits, a lot of that's merchandise and, and exclusive access to, to events. We really started that with training camp last year, really mm-hmm. focusing that on our season ticket members exclusively and had great response to that. So as we get into the off season with draft and, and other things that we can do, we really want to allow our season ticket members to, to get to know our team and, and, and be as close as anybody. Okay. After the game was over, I saw it in print. 2022, the Texans will have a first-round pick. I saw it. It's in print. We have it. Now, we could also ultimately trade it, but I hope we don't. If we maintain those picks, does that mean we have a draft party back, Greg? 
That is the plan, John. Okay, we want to we want to have that big draft party. You know, we're, we're maybe here at the stadium. Who knows? Maybe we look at some other options. But yeah. we we want, and then it's in Las Vegas. So we're also looking at how we can interact with our fans back. Absolutely. You know, create an experience for them in a very unique setting. So there's a lot on the table. Obviously, it's always a unique time right now, and in, in in a COVID environment, everything has to be flexible. So we'll always consider that. But our goal is to. I'll say it differently. We want our fans to be able to enjoy their connection to the Texans and to get to know our team and to go along this journey as we're building this team. And so draft is obviously a huge part of that, and uh, I hope we can we can do it big. All right, we got to do it big. Draft parties are awesome. They're fantastic. Every one that we've been to here, they've been absolutely fantastic. And I think you just I've like a crowd when you when I you're analyzing like picks, right? <laughs> I, I think do. it's I, you know you need a little audience, John. Man, you know me extremely <laughs> well, Craig Grissom. That's exactly why I want to have it. It's great to have crowds. It's been fantastic in this COVID environment to do it safely, and obviously that's what we're we're talking about here. But I just know that you're always pushing the envelope to do something different, give our fans something a little extra, and that has always been something a little extra. Just come on, enjoy the night, enjoy these draft picks that. Some of these people have never heard of. They always look to my reaction, but I always think it's a really fun night. Uh, it's, I mean, it's one of the most interesting nights of the year with the fans to, to basically come out and, and watch TV with us. But it's, yeah. it's, just, it's really about being together. Yeah. And really, that's what – if you really think about what football does, um, you know, tailgating, the game day environment, it's just people creating experiences and memories that they couldn't otherwise do by themselves and drafts, you know, a very unique opportunity to do that with a, a, a bunch of people um, that are all – kind of centered around the Texans and centered around their game of football. We mentioned savings with the season ticket members, and there's an old advertising slogan, membership has its privileges, and I know there's other things involved as well. What can you share with us about that? Because as a season ticket member, it's not just about going to the games, right? No, again, we want it to be exclusive. We want it to be something that, that, that others – you know, uh, maybe can't have, but only our season ticket members do have. And and so I mentioned the payment plans, the tickets and things of that nature, but we're doing some exclusive merchandise that's that's only available to season ticket members. On game day, our season ticket members will experience for the first time in 2022 the ability to get 10% off of game day concessions uh, basically by scanning a QR code on their phone, part of the ticket, the, mm. the mobile ticketing process. So there's there's over 13 new benefits that we added into the, to the season ticket membership redefined. And folks want to learn more they can go to houstontexans.com back or forward slash renew and they can they can learn more about what's fully available greg you talked about being here with the texans for a while it tugs at all of our heartstrings but from a game experience standpoint what do you think has changed the most whether it's you know fans request that you know fans want to see this i hear all the time well i could just sit and watch a 70 inch screen at home and watch the game but then you go in the building and you're like yo this is just wow this is fantastic but well, what's changed the most over the time that you've been here when it comes to a game experience? Well, I, wow. So since I've been here, that's a long time here. Yeah, so, we're, time. We're, you know, I had a lot more hair back in the day. But, um, no, I think the thing that's probably changed the most um, from the game experience and the way that uh, fans in, enjoy the game is really technology. I mean, if you think about it, just from the video board things that we're able to do there to the mobile ticketing to the way that concessions are ordered. And, I mean, technology's everywhere. I think our, our entire lives, if you yeah. think over 20 years, technology's changed everything. But um, so that I would say just globally that's probably what's changed the most. But what hasn't changed is the ability that people want to be together. Yeah. They, there, there's nothing like the energy and excitement of game day, you know, giving your buddy a high five. Yeah 
or you know maybe maybe disagreeing with a call on the field you know boisterously or yeah. or um, having a chance to have Toro meet your kids or whatever maybe those are the things that's why people come and we just want to continue to facilitate that uh, in as many different ways as we can. It's true. There's nothing like being there live because no. the market research focus group known as the Vander Kids they were weaned on screens and everything yeah. but they would rather be here than anything because there's just something about being in the atmosphere. Right. I mean. It, it, you were there, but there's there's a you know, yesterday as we were coming back and you know uh, you know kind of making a making a comeback, it's just the energy in the building, the excitement, and then then that kind of shared belief, and then you can you feel like you're participating yep. and helping the team go on the way. There, there's nothing like it, and and um, I'm gonna miss it for the next uh, for the off season. I, so I was walking out of the building yesterday. I was trying to appreciate you know that game experience, and honestly, just can't wait to get back to it. It's so funny you say that because when Danny scored the touchdown to make it 28-25, and, and I'm looking from our sideline down that way. I did. I, just, I did the same thing. I kind of just took in the crowd and how excited they were, and Danny jumps up in the – I mean, he got up there, too. Yeah, I, don't was, how he, yeah. I, mean, I don't know how he got up there. I mean, he's all like 5'6", and he got up there. I was like, <laughs> wow, he's skying to get up there. But that's what it made me think. Wow, this, this is a moment I definitely want to just mentally take this in. So, in this season, tough as it was, is there a moment that you think – that's it right there. Bottle that moment, and that's why you come to the stadium to watch a game. Man, that's a tough question. Um, uh, you know, I, I know, th- I know what our, I, well, I know what mine is. I think mine would have been um, in the fourth quarter of the game against the Chargers, and Thank and you. and Thank and you. just, um, you know, the excitement, of how well the team played that day, and yep. and you know, from the beginning to end, um, the belief that the players had, and they went out and executed so well, and just as a as you know, as a fan and enjoying the game and, and, and just, uh, you know, it was the day after Christmas, so it was yeah. kind of an exciting yeah. time. And, um, the you know, the, the stadium was euphoric. And yeah. just, so just looking around and, and just saying, okay, you know, uh, the, the belief that that was creating an excitement with our fans about where we're going was just – it was a lot of fun that day. It was. Wait, what's yours, Johnny? That one. Okay. When Tavier Thomas takes that – takes it, I, when Tav took it to the end zone, I was on the other side because I was trying to figure out – because the Chargers were getting around near midfield, so I got to decide at that point, do I go to the other side or do I go and stay on that side? So I had moved, and so when Tav goes the other direction, sometimes I go over there because there aren't any photogs. It's, right. I can stand. Sure. And so Tav goes the other way. I'm here, Mark, make the call, and I'm like one man just – Celebration. Did we, I mean, we, it's, since you were on the other end, we didn't catch that on on film. Oh, no, so, you know, we didn't we didn't get the, we didn't get the <laughs> no. Johnny Harris pictures. But. Oh no, but Suds has got one. When oh, good. We're done with this interview. Right. I'll, right. I'll show it because right. it's pretty darn good. When we yeah. made it twenty one eighteen, but it, I that game to me, Greg, is one. No matter what happens in the next eight to ten years, that's one I'll remember because of how tough the season has been had been. And I just saw, I did the same thing. I kind of looked around the stadium and I saw fans with the the, the foam fingers and yeah. every, just. Having this moment all together was like really, really cool. It was actually kind of emotional to think about because we had been through so much stuff at that point. It was like that all just kind of came out that well, way. And again, everybody, you know, our fans, the you know, the 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 world has been through so much. Yeah. To so to to get back to where you can enjoy something kind of in 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 all together in a unique way. I mean, it really – you can't describe it. That, that afternoon was a lot of fun. Well, Greg, uh, congratulations on your first season as president of the Texans and uh, look forward to next year and the off season and everything that it brings. Thanks a lot for joining us. No problem, Mark. We'll be working hard and, and ready to uh, to get back to 2022 and, and see where we go. But uh, no matter what, go Texans. Nice, Greg Grissom. Look at him throwing a go Texans like Mark Vandermeer and myself right there at the end. I like it. The man knows – how to do 
some radio, there's no doubt. Now, Greg Grissom is one of our biggest fans, but I know we've got tremendously big fans out there, and they're doing great things and big things in Houston. Those are my friends over at Daikin. From comfort and convenience to air quality, Daikin's innovations are changing how people enjoy the indoors as they lead the way to a more sustainable future, reducing our carbon emissions to net zero by 2050. As the world's number one air conditioning company, Daikin is committed to perfecting the air that connects us all. Learn more at perfectingtheair.com. It's Daikin. All right, we get back. Our good pal Andre Ware chimes in about yesterday, the season, and what happens tonight in the National Championship college football game between Alabama and Georgia right here on Texans All Access. Welcome back to Monday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter, Hopefully, you're a good friend on the radio, and this segment is brought to you by our friends at Mattress Firm, the official mattress retailer of your Houston Texans. It's time to catch up with our pal, Andre Ware. We got a lot to get to with our pal, Dre. So here it is, the three of us on the radio crew. Wish we could have Robert on here, too. Robert Hensley adding the fourth. As Dre said yesterday during the broadcast, we're pretty much like this dysfunctional family that loves talking football and getting together every single Sunday, and hopefully we do a great job for you. But we love it. Here's Dre with Mark and me. Dre, slow day in the NFL, no news at all. Uh, how are you, my friend, as uh, we're coming off the Texans' comeback? It comes up short, but your thoughts on what you saw yesterday out of Mills, the offense, the second-half comeback? Yeah, it's a NFL-type uh I guess you would say candy store for NFL fans. If you, you know, you have your a team that's you're looking to get into the playoff and went all the way down to like the last snap or the last kick, so to speak, yesterday. But I, I thought Davis Mills uh, said it during the broadcast that I thought it was a game in which he proved to whomever, whatever set of eyes that were looking at him, that he deserves a chance to start the season as the starting quarterback next year in, in 2022. Uh, the pass he made to Danny Amendola up the sideline, that was the one that sold it for me because he, now he's anticipating throws. I mean, he threw an at this first touchdown pass to Amendola showed you some athletic ability. The second one showed you that he's throwing the ball with anticipation, like before guys are coming open in the windows against zone coverage, and then he can throw guys open uh, as well. Uh, taking care of the ball, the completion percentage, all of that, I think he showed you down the stretch to, to uh, give him a chance to be the, the quarterback next year. Dre, coming out of the 2021 season, I mean, Davis, we saw some some good things. This rookie class seemingly had some things. We saw a couple of veterans play right. this year that you know stood out. You know, Malik Collins had a better year than the stats indicate. Kamu was, was amazing. What, in your mind, is going to stand out in 2021 that gives hope going into 2022? If it's not Davis, because I think we all feel that way, that Davis does seemingly give us hope for 2022, what else would you say, hey, man, this kind of gives me hope for going into 2022? I would say the defense taking the ball away um, because they were able to do it with consistency uh, and moving parts, to say that. And there wasn't a, a set of guys or you know, a, a two deep worth of guys that, that uh, did it throughout the season. It was multiple guys along the way. And so that lets me know that they're being coached up well. 
there were multiple guys with takeaways in terms of interceptions, um, fumble recovery, any all of that that falls into that that category. That and special teams, the return game. Uh, there, there is definitely hope there when you uh, when you have the kind of production that they they were able to have. A couple of holding penalties here or there stopped or brought back some really big returns that, you know, you really didn't need to have. But uh, I, I think those two things, the defense and special teams, if I got to pick something opposite Davis Mills, those are the two things. All right, Dre, uh, you're going to be the head coach of an NFL team, and we have a number of openings for you to consider here. So you oh, boy, pick let's one party. where you'd like to go. Okay, <laughs> Miami, which is open after this morning, Brian Flores was shown the door, and they've got Tua as quarterback currently. Justin Fields is in Chicago where Matt Nagy was let go. Kirk Cousins, I believe, has one more year on his deal in Minnesota where Mike Zimmer was let go. Denver, not so much of anything. I mean, Bridgewater gets hurt. Drew Locke is still there. Uh, so Denver's out there. And Jacksonville with Trevor Lawrence. What job are you taking, Coach Dre? I'm taking Miami. Miami's Ooh. set up. They've got draft picks. They've, they play well at times. What, did they go on a seven-game winning streak? So you know there's yep, enough yep. talent to win in, uh, in in that city. And then a South Beach, you know, where else would you rather coach us <laughs> than South Beach? So, uh, you know, no, in all seriousness, it, it would definitely be Miami. They've got a defense that uh, is not far away. And I think offensively they need a running back uh, and and about it, maybe a receiver to go with a pretty talented offense offensive group that can get it done. I believe in Tua. I always have. I've never, never doubted that uh, it went healthy we would see what we saw out of Tua. Now, you keep changing offensive coordinators and coaching mm-hmm. staffs. All you do is set your quarterback back. And uh, I've seen that, experienced it firsthand. Uh, so I, I don't know what, what goes into who they hire or who they keep, but that's the job that I would take. I definitely yeah. wouldn't go to Chicago. I think they're miles away. Minnesota's trending the other way. Uh, Cousins probably won't even be there next year. And so, you know, the, the, there are a couple of jobs that are very unattractive. I don't like Jacksonville's job either. I think they're a ways away, but Miami, Miami's, uh, Miami's the closest team. I mean, that's smart because to back you up, what other opening has a team that's coming off back-to-back winning seasons? And that's what the Dolphins are. They're winners, so to speak, and uh, they just need to win one or two more a year, and look what you got. I just don't understand that. I don't understand how – what are they expecting in Miami? A Super Bowl trip, you know, in, in, yeah. uh, in the next year? But give the guy a shot. He, he's had winning seasons, and been, and they're very close to turning the corner to, to being a playoff team. Why do you keep starting over? Uh, I, that I don't, one I don't get. I, I think that's a rhetorical it. question. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, well, I, I think all three of us know the answer, but we—I think we all agree with that. You have to put them to the side, and that's ego and relationships. Yeah, and yeah. and when ego yeah. gets in the way of relationships and things like that, eh, we we get those situations. All right, let me throw another one on the fire. I, this has not happened, but I cannot see Dre how the New York Giants go forward with Joe Judge. If I threw the Giants in the mix, would that job intrigue you in any way, shape, or form? It would intrigue me, but I, I think there are ways away. As a you know, coach looking for a situation, if you allow, you know, if I'm guaranteed X amount of years to get it going, but that obviously isn't the case, and that that one yeah. is is unbelievable. And Brian, Brian Flores is looking for a job this morning. 
and Judge is still the head coach of the, of the New York Giants. That one unbelievable. is unbelievable. Uh, you're talking about a team that is on the verge of the playoffs, a team that had two winning seasons, and he's out, and you got Joe Judge that's still coaching in the New York Giants. Now, they'll make him empty the can in terms of uh, hiring a new coordinator on both sides of the ball and special teams and so on, redoing the coaching staff. But all you're doing is prolonging the inevitable. They're going to get I, rid of him I, I, I agree because, look, they got blown out by the Bears, who blew out their coach. They lose to Washington after uh, – look, Washington is not a good team, and they've got Taylor Heineke, a quarterback. How can you possibly beat Taylor Heineke? I mean, <laughs> you you got to remove some doubt at some point, and he hasn't done it. Yeah, no, there's no doubt. I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if Brian Flores is employed by the end of the week. You know, when, when you set his – put his resume oh, yeah. on the table and this is what we've done, this is what we've done with, with draft picks that have worked out down there and we've, we've won, uh, it wouldn't be – I wouldn't be surprised if he's not the head coach somewhere uh, by, by week's end. Okay, I know the NFL, Dre, this – actually, I'll, I'll put it to both of you, but, Dre, you call college games uh, every single week. You get an opportunity yeah. to meet with coaches who talk with coaches also, talk with other coaches and talk with other coaches. So y- you have that opportunity. I Maybe the Urban Meyer experiment in Jacksonville turned people away, but if people would quit looking at, well, he was a college coach. No, Urban Meyer was not a great dude, and that was why he ended up not being a great NFL coach. But if one of these one of these NFL teams came to you, Dre, and said, "Look, we really we really think there are some guys down in the college level that might make for really good NFL coaches," is there a college coach that maybe you hear through the grapevine? I know there's been a lot of talk about Jim Harbaugh, and I just saw a tweet from a guy who does college football, and he put four college coaches in NFL positions, and I'm looking at him going, hey, "That could be kind of interesting." Is there a college coach that you think could end up being an NFL, a good NFL head coach going forward with the knowledge that you have about the game and obviously you know about the NFL too? Yeah, there is. Uh, and this would be a problem, maybe a wild card and a surprising name, but I think his name had been tossed around last year. It's, it's just unfortunate the situation that he's in now or found himself in after, uh, after this past year. But I would say Dan Mullen because I think he has the makeup to be an NFL head coach. He is he is organized. He is tough as nails. Uh, he is no nonsense. He can teach the game from, especially with openings, and you look, you got all these young quarterbacks across the NFL now at those jobs that you just named. He can coach them up. And his system fits what you want to do in the NFL. Now, it'll take some tinkering, but for the most part, he's not that far away in terms of having an NFL system within what he wants to do on the college level. So uh, he would run the quarterback, obviously, a little bit less. He does that on the collegiate level, especially down close towards the goal line. But uh, I, I think Dan Mullen would be one hell of an NFL coach. I, I think he's some of the names that you mentioned that, that kept jobs this morning. He's already better than they are from an experience standpoint. He is on the uh, the coaches committee, the rules committee. So he's going to know the rules in and out. Nobody's going to have to be in his ear telling him what to do uh, in certain situations. He's a very, very bright uh, head coach. But, you know, obviously things didn't work out 
at the University of Florida. That might turn some guys off. It shouldn't. It didn't do it to uh, to Arizona with with uh, Cliff Kingsbury, so it shouldn't happen in, in the case of Dan Mullen. But I've always been a big fan. I've always respected how he ran his programs because he was always, always buttoned up. Now, he's not the easiest guy to, uh, to coach with. Neither is Nick Saban. But uh, they, they yeah. he wins wherever he goes. Dre, tonight, Alabama, Georgia, thoughts? Bama. I mean, I, I just – you you want to get in a box and play football? That's what you do. I mean, that's who that's what they want. They want a, they want a quarterback that's in the pocket. They can come after you. You've given Nick Saban X amount of time to to scheme up against Georgia, and he's beaten you already in multiple years. I think it's it's Alabama. Uh, Stetson Bennett is not going to move around and uh, and be the electric quarterback that makes Nick Saban stay up late game planning and looking at extra film. Uh, now, he's going to do that, but it doesn't scare him as if there were a mobile quarterback on the other side that could move around like a Donnie Manziel type. So uh, I, I'm going with Bama tonight. They're going to be able to run the football. They're going to get after you defensively. And uh, until until I see it or you prove it to me otherwise, it's Alabama. Dre, last night, Chargers-Raiders, amazing yeah. football game. Crazy. Unbelievable football game. What do you think at the end? I know there's been a lot of discussion point about, oh, if they're a tie, they both make it. The timeout by Staley. The Raiders then changing the play, doing all that kind of – what did you kind of make at the end of the game? Did you have any sort of – I don't want to say issue, but what did you think about the way that was handled down the stretch in OT? Anybody who believes that's okay for them to and run the clock out, both teams go to the playoffs, is one of those everybody gets a medal or trophy kind of person. <laughs> I mean, that's not just it's not yes. real life, man. It's just not real life. So, uh, you know, you, you kick the field goal, you win it. I thought it was a hell of a game all the way through. And I was starting to begin to think, wait a minute, the fix is in. You know, we're, hey, let's go 32-32, and, and both of us go get some extra cash. But um, the Raiders showed that, uh, that there is still – you know, some life to this game and, and uh, the way old school guys think about how it should be played. And uh, it's, it, it was real life stuff to see Carlson knock the, knock the field goal through. But one hell of a game. I thought a lot of games across the board. That was just great NFL football. Not just yesterday in the final weekend of the season, but all throughout the year. There's upset mm-hmm. after upset. I mean, look at it, it kind of goes to show you that on any given Sunday still holds true, right? Indianapolis yep. goes down to Jacksonville. They need to win, and Jacksonville's, you know, playing for draft position. And yet and still, Jaguars not just take care of them, they beat them down yesterday Yeah, and yep. hold the Colts out of the playoffs. So it was a great season all the way around, and, and obviously with the Raiders capping it off against the Chargers. Yeah, and my whole thing on that is they're division rivals. They hate each yeah. other. Yeah. If we were I mean, playing the Colts or the it, Titans, we wouldn't want the, them to get in, beat them. Every, yeah, everyone always says the NFL East has all the, the rivalries. Uh, not until I was with the Raiders did I realize how much the Raiders hated the Chiefs, how much the Raiders hated the Chargers, and how much the Raiders <laughs> had, hated the Broncos. Yeah. That's, about, that's about the, the <laughs> entire division, right? And all the other teams hate all the other teams. So. Uh, I don't know about if this, if the rivalries lie within the NFC East. It's definitely that division. What is it, the AFC West with uh, with the Raiders, Chargers, Broncos, and uh, who's the other one out there? Chiefs. 
I think it's all relative, too. I mean, look, we hate the Colts, you know, so much that yeah. if we were in that situation, I doubt the Texans would want to ever see the Colts get into the playoffs, just win the game. No. And, look, that was a, a relatively safe play call to hand off to Jacobs. And everyone's criticizing Staley on the timeout. Look, the Raiders are going to run a play anyway. Yeah. That still could have happened. All right, Dre, NIL stuff, Nick Saban and Kirby Smart have both said, look, we might need regulation on this. Uh, it's going to get tough. I don't, you know, I don't, I can't quote them on this, but your feelings on NIL, I mean, my feelings are this is really good for college athletics. I think it has to be handled properly, but it's really good for the athletes. It's about time, and it's a good way to do it, in my opinion, overall. Yeah, but, but I, I think it's going to get out of hand. I think it may, in some cases, already be out of hand. And, there need, and this is coming from two guys that are already sitting atop the mountain. So yeah. they're trying to tell you that we can pick up the phone and call boosters and get whatever we need in order yep. to stay competitive and even maybe take it to the next level and put some more separation between you know, our programs mm-hmm. and the rest. Uh, I definitely think there needs to be legislation, that something that puts a this in a – that rebags it, so to speak. To put it out there, let it get it, – it, we knew once you open that door – it was going to get out of hand without any structure to it. And so from from that standpoint, you can pay anybody anytime and, dis, and, and disguises it right now as whatever you want it to be and whatever amount. And I think it's absolutely ridiculous that uh, maybe, you know, I, maybe you give kids something, but maybe it's at the end of, uh, at the, you incentivize it at the end of graduation that, this goes in a trust for when you graduate because the college degree will become absent now that we've got all this stuff. on, We're, we're going to see kids struggle to stay eligible because you're giving them all this money. What's the incentive to go to class? I'm already hearing that the majority of kids are test starting to take classes online now and they aren't even going into a classroom. So, you know, all Uh-oh. this kind of falls under the same umbrella of it's going to be tough and it's going to get crazy. You already can't tell kids what to do. Now you're going to give them money and you can't tell them what to do. It's, 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 uh, it's just kind of – it needs some structure to it some way, somehow. But I would have incentivized it for after graduation to motivate kids to get college degrees so you have somewhere to go when it doesn't work out. Over the last couple of years in particular, man, conversations with Dre and Mark and me, they're as fun as anything that we get an opportunity to do. I mean, we almost, it stops being an interview and it's the three of us just chatting about ball, talking about things going on. It is such a blast to be part of this radio crew. I know they've been doing it for 20 years and this is just finishing up my eighth year, but love those guys to death. And it's always a fun conversation with the three of us. Get together. All right. When we get back, it was a wild 24 hours in the NFL. I mean, wild. It started at noon. It went all the way through the evening. It filtered through the morning. Wow. We'll look back at it all next right here on Texans All Access. Access. Wow, what a wild weekend it was in the NFL, Saturday and Sunday, but eh, Saturday games pretty much went the way you expected. Philly wasn't playing anybody against the Dallas Cowboys. The Cowboys came out and housed the Eagles, and then you had the Chiefs 
Had to fight a little bit. Had a scoop and score by rookie Nick Bolton after a hit um, by Melvin Ingram, who is a great add to the Kansas City Chiefs defense. And that locked up win number 12 for the Chiefs. But the drama, if you will, started on Sunday in the NFL. So you know what? Cue up my music. And let's rock looking back at these games. Now, Bengals and Browns, the Bengals didn't send anybody to Cleveland for that game. Joe Burrow didn't play. A couple guys were on COVID. In fact, the Bengals today brought back 11 guys to get ready for the playoff matchup they're going to have next week. But the Browns got a win. Case Keenum got that win, 176 yards, passing to Tutties. And Dearness Johnson ran for 123 yards. That's the second time he's gone over 100 this year. The Browns finished the year at 8-9. And, and why does that matter? Well, that win for Cleveland combined with Baltimore's loss put Cleveland into third place in the AFC North. And guess who finished in third place in the AFC South? That's right, the Houston Texans. So by virtue of that Browns win, Ravens loss, and we'll get that Ravens loss in a second, the Texans will take on the Cleveland Browns at NRG Stadium in 2022. The Lions won by virtue of their win over the Packers, where Aaron Rodgers played just the first half. That gave the Jacksonville Jaguars the number one overall pick. The Lions do get the win, 37-30. Rodgers sat the second half. But the Lions, Jared Goff throws two touchdowns. The Lions finished 3-13-1. Should have had another couple of wins. The Lions should not be picking second. They should be picking probably fifth or sixth, but a couple of bad bounces, a couple of really big field goals, and the Lions end up 3-13-1. They'll pick second with Jacksonville picking first and the Texans picking third. Green Bay finishes 13-4, but number one seed in the NFC. Speaking of the NFC, the NFC North, two teams completely – erasing and whitewashing their entire football ops department. The Vikings beat the Bears 31-17. This morning, the Bears fired Ryan Pace GM head coach Matt Nagy. The Minnesota Vikings fired GM Rick Spielman and head coach Mike Zimmer, restarting the whole thing in both locations. And by virtue of Minnesota's win, Minnesota finished in second place In the NFC North, finishing in third place, the Chicago Bears. Why does that matter? Well, similarly to Cleveland, the Texans will play the NFC North third place team at their location. We will be going to Chicago next year. Dang it. I was hoping that the Bears would win this one. That would move the Vikings into third place and they played at Dome. Oh, boy. All right. Anyways, we'll go to Chicago next year and see how the Bears are reconfigured with new GM, new head coach, and we'll eventually see how the Vikings are reconfigured with a new GM and new head coach. The Washington football team beat the New York Giants, but that's not the story here. The story is that the Giants will keep Joe Judge as head coach. And if you're a Giants fan, I'm sorry, because that was abysmal what happened with your team yesterday. Dave Gettleman, the GM, has retired. So the Giants will be looking for a new GM. 
But for right now, the coach is Joe Judge. I mentioned the Colts and the Jaguars earlier. The Jaguars earned the number one pick, and they will have it. But they had a jaw-dropper of a win yesterday, beating the Indianapolis Colts 26-11. to Trevor Lawrence, one of his better games, 223 yards and two touchdowns. Raquel Armstead ran for 52, and Marvin Jones had 88 yards and a tutty. But they dominated this game from beginning to end. The Colts didn't score a touchdown until there were four minutes and 26 seconds left in the game. That loss knocked the Colts out of playoff competition. And we'll watch it all unfold on Hard Knocks this week. Jaguars win. That was the third win of the year. They finished 3-14 and and fourth in the AFC South. The Colts finished 9-8, and second in the AFC South. One of the games of the day, it was not the prettiest played game. It had levels of ugly to it, but it didn't matter because Big Ben Roethlisberger found a way. This sucker got to overtime, and I'm telling you, I saw Ben Roethlisberger make a couple of throws in overtime. Like, that's the old Ben. And as I look at different um, uh, score, like, scoring detail of games there's some places like i'm looking at the espn app and they have win probability the win probability graph goes like uh, i mean up and down 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 in the fourth quarter it's great uh, i just absolutely nutso what happened in that game but the steelers got the win and because of that loss by the ravens they fell to the basement in the nfc afc north that means the jags will play the ravens but it means the Texans will play the Browns. The Steelers go on to the playoffs. They will travel to Kansas City. The Saints look good in a 30-20 win at Atlanta. Arthur Smith's first year finishes 7-10. The Saints get to 9-8, and and they needed some help from the Rams. And the Rams had a 17-0 lead, but then Jimmy Garoppolo, I said it during the week, I would have gone with Trey Lance. They didn't. And it worked for the 49ers. Jimmy Garoppolo looked as good as I've seen him. He made key throws throughout the fourth quarter. Tied the game. Sent it to overtime. Jimmy led him on a field goal drive. And then Ambry Thomas, the rookie, picked off a Matt Stafford pass to get the 49ers in the playoffs. San Francisco will take on Dallas this week. But the Saints then had to go home. The Bills beat the Jets 27-10 to win the AFC East. They would have won it anyways because the Patriots lost to the Dolphins 33-24. Congratulations to my guy Sal for a second straight AFC East championship. They, those teams will play each other this weekend in Buffalo. The Seahawks beat the Cardinals. The Cardinals had a shot with the Rams losing and winning the division, but Russell Wilson put it on the Cardinals yesterday with 238 yards and three tutties for Rashad Penny, just like he was against us, the story, 190 yards and a touchdown, the first-round pick finally paying off. And in the game, maybe of the season, the Raiders and Chargers last night played one for the ages. My goodness, what a game. 35-32, Daniel Carlson hits a field goal as overtime expires to move the Raiders into the preseason. A tie would have gotten them both in, but a Raiders win sent the Raiders in and the Steelers in. What a crazy, crazy ball game that was. All right, that's one hour in the books. We get back. Spencer Tillman will join us right here on Texans All Access. 
Welcome back to this last hour of Texas All Access for the 2021 season. I am your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter for your Houston Texans. And it's time to catch up with our good pal, Spencer Tillman. I love an opportunity to talk to Spencer because I think the phrase keeping it real didn't come from Spencer, but I think he believes that every single day he will keep it real. So he will never say that. He'll say it in a more eloquent manner, but he's going to tell the truth. Whether it hurts or doesn't, the truth is coming. It's the truth right now with Spencer Tillman and myself and Mark. Here we go. So your thoughts at the half and then your thoughts after the second half, my friend. Uh, probably the same what yours was. Uh, not very <laughs> impressive in the first half, but I think the, the, the upshot for me was what one thing we hadn't seen to this point in, in, in Davis Mills' um, ascension is a second-half surge and one where you're able to uh, get in at halftime, assess what was working and was not working, and then come out and extend it. A lot of times what happens when you have a young quarterback that is not able to absorb the corpus of data that doesn't apply here because the guy's brilliant, he's smart, he's very intelligent, doesn't wear an armband, you know, he doesn't need a, a you know a crib sheet or anything like that. That speaks to something. It usually happens when guys start off slow, and but once they get all the information, you really can't stop them. There's this kind of fast push, and I think that's kind of what we saw. To me, it was the second half command that really was indicative of his growth. That to me was impressive because he built on that, and we saw four and five tools being expressed on individual plays, sliding out of pocket motion sideways, going opposite against the direction he's going. We saw some athleticism, even more decision-making. If he just eventually learns how to kind of tone things down just a little bit and not let that arm get a little bit too live when he gets pressure, I think that's the next step that we see in his evolution. Uh, hopefully, you know, we can see a little bit of it in OTAs and things of that nature and don't have to wait till next year to see that growth. Spencer at halftime, Coach Culley told me, Going into half, when I asked him about what would maybe jumpstart the offense, he mentioned tempo. And Davis yep. talked about it after the game. You've been in a huddle. I don't know how much you ever ran much tempo. I know you probably were in two-minute situations at a time where the tempo has got to pick up. Why, in your estimation, did tempo help Davis yesterday? And why, in general, does it seemingly help quarterbacks to go with a little faster tempo at times that are not the two-minute drill? Well, you're opening up a Pandora's box there because, you know, I'm an analyst. I'm going to say what I see, right? I'll right. tell you the truth about that. Pace and tempo, John, as you know, affects both the head coach, um, the play caller, and everybody involved because what it does, it accelerates the time that you have to assess what's being done uh, strategically against you. Uh, it forces you to push the envelope and find out what you want to do faster. You have to properly discern what the context and the down and distance scenarios, all of that, and that puts additional stress on you. Listen, that's nothing to be you know, ashamed of necessarily. There was a time when 2012, um, a white-hot then coach, Kevin Sumlin, rolled into Tuscaloosa and just absolutely spanked Alabama with, with you know, Johnny Menzel. And they just, just crushed him. And the next thing you heard was Nick Saban. I mean, we all can agree that he's one of the greatest coaches in college, if not the greatest that ever coached the game. He was lamenting the fact that they were going too fast, even citing health and concerns as an issue. And then he promptly, after he figured out he couldn't beat yeah. that and win that war, when he started <laughs> yeah. running pace and tempo. 
So my point is this, guys. Um, it, it affects a lot of different people. I remember, uh, and I, I said this in his presence, too, so you guys may have been actually in the room when it happened, but I asked Bill O'Brien about running pace and tempo and using it as a tactical advantage. And I only asked him that question because I think the previous week we were down like 14 points or so and we were still huddling up. And I'm saying, hey, dude, you know, there's nothing wrong. There's no shame in the game. If you, if you need to do, use pace and tempo, particularly to your point, against a team that's got three or four guys on the back end that's out, there's no way they're going to be steeped in what they're trying to accomplish on the back end. And you took advantage of them a couple of times, particularly on the first four with the, uh, the flea flicker. You, know, you see those safeties come down out of that hole, and you've had success for the last couple of weeks. You know, Rex didn't have a great week last week rushing. But before then, he was on a tear, and those safeties were responding to what they saw. And when he saw him with the ball, they came down high out of that hole, and then, boom, you can move right past them. So that stuff matters. And when you can take advantage of a back end that's struggling, pace and tempo is a tactical advantage is a great weapon absolutely spencer tillman joining us spencer off-season prescription give me two or three priorities it really helps that you know much more about davis mills heading into his second season what are you thinking here free agency the draft there's a lot of work to do well listen nothing happens with without solving or at least uh, from your perspective when i say yours i'm meaning the Texans' perspective, you've got to do something with Deshaun Watson. That's the linchpin. That's the linchpin to everything. Anything that we could speculate on this call about free agency, with the exception of three or four guys that are you know, one-year deals uh, on the defensive side and linebacker, you could always use personality. Got to do something with Reed. He probably won't be here. There's, there's always going to be one or two or three of those situations in a, in a defensive structure that requires a lot of activity. you got a lot of guys in that linebacking core because so much is demanded of them that, that missed a lot of time. They were, quite frankly, in, injured. Athletic guys, very high contributors, but you always got to have that. But none of that takes place unless you can deal with that $40 million you got on your books with Deshaun Watson if you let him hang around. So you got to do, you know, got to do something with that. That number's around 12, 15, whatever it is. It's around 10, 3 this year, but then it jumps up significantly next year. But then the total of that number is around 40. So with $40 million on your books, man, if you even start speculating about coaches, who's going to be and who's not, I'm just being transparent with you as an analyst. What head coach is going to want to come into that scenario where you don't have that matter taken care of? Because everything is affected by that. You can't build a team properly with that kind of cash out there not available to you. So to me, that's the first order of business. When March rolls around by mid-March, we've got to get that thing taken care of. Spencer, this is going to maybe sound like an odd question, but you've played the game. You've played a final game when, that, when the zeros hit. What's more difficult at the end of the season, getting back physically right or getting back mentally right after a long, hard season? This would be a good problem for the Texans to have. I remember uh, when I was in San Francisco, that second Super Bowl trophy, I'm sitting down on the floor of the Super Bowl. I'm exhausted. I'm spent. And I remember Joe Montana coming up in the back and slapping me on the back of the neck and the helmet. And he called me an expletive. He said, get up. You know, he used the expletive. He says, we're already six months behind. And I remember that. And I started doing the math. And I got inside. I'm thinking, oh, my God, he's absolutely right. When you string Super Bowls back to back to back, all of a sudden, man, if you look over three times your period, you're you're basically a whole freaking year behind. So you you it gets tougher and tougher. Guys are going to be able to move because of the success that you have. You got to hang on to that in the calorie a salary cap environment, and you're going to lose players. And so for me, those years go by fast. They're already measured in dog years, but the more successful you are, the more challenging it becomes. And you're right. Your physical body does not recover as fast. And if you're losing, you know, you're playing an extra month. And you stack those, that's two months. Man, that's your summer basically gone. 
If you've got back-to-back Super Bowls like we have, you're, you're in trouble, man. You're, physically, your body's not going to respond the way it typically would if you had more time to recover. So there is a, a cumulative effect or impact, to be sure. All right, Spencer. Jobs open right now. You get to be the head coach and have to pick Ooh. one of these. Oh, yeah. Miami with Tua there. Chicago, Justin mm-hmm. Fields. Minnesota, Kirk Cousins still lives there. Denver, just watching. Well, Drew Locke. I don't know if Bridgewater's <laughs> under contract for next year, but they've had a tough oh, quarterback yeah. situation there in Denver. Jacksonville with Trevor Lawrence. Am I missing anybody, Johnny? I think that was it. Uh, yeah. Pick and one. Potentially Las Vegas. Potentially. I, don't, I doubt I it. I doubt it with Rich Passaccia, whether he's done, but maybe. What do you think? You know, what I would do is, uh, because I know Trevor Lawrence well, uh, I would go with him, and here's why. I know there's some toxic issues in the culture there, and I think that got, and again, I'm not trying to disparage anybody here, guys, but I understand human personality, particularly in the con- concept of football, and I understand catastrophic leadership and the impact it can have on the organization and beyond the walls of the, of the, of the, of the program itself. Tom Coughlin was not a good fit there. If you notice his personality, it was wired in such a way they've got prolific numbers in terms of how much they penalize guys, and, and it was just known throughout the league, NFL, PA. I talked to Demario Smith and all those guys. They're the team, they, put, they levy more fines than anybody ever, and it's because of his leadership style. I'm not saying there's not times when that's not warranted. And then you go get an Urban Meyer who's basically – Urban's got a master's degree in psychology, and he's a control freak. And, and so those two types of personalities are enabling personalities. They do not balance or check one another. But I do know that quarterback is an unbelievable quarterback. And if you give me him, I can build some. I'd take Trevor Lawrence on any of those teams and the quarterbacks you mentioned and those other four teams you mentioned. Jacksonville's got the best quarterback with potential if he's got the right people. Listen, this to me is no different than Joe Burrow. You get with the right coordinator, it changes everything. Joe Burrow couldn't even make a roster at LSU when he was at Ohio State. That's why he ended up there. But with Joe Brady comes in, boom, you know, the guy's unbelievable. Great count. It's all about fit. It's all about personnel. Spencer, what do you think tonight? Alabama, Georgia, who do you got? I like Alabama, man. I'm not going to go against Nick Saban. You know, I've known Nick for almost 35 years, and uh, I can tell you it doesn't matter who you march in there, uh, he's going to have success. I mean, Bill, again, I'm not, this is not a left-hand compliment. Bill O'Brien <laughs> is thriving. He's struggling from time to time, but he, he can win in that system. It's because of, of Nick Saban's system. Yeah, one of the things you do with your job, I suppose, at some point, you I don't want to say you take it for granted, but when you do things on a routine basis, you know, Mondays, okay, we do this, we do that. We talk to Andre Ware, we talk to John McClain, we talk to Spencer Tillman every single Monday. Mark and I get to chop it up about the game, the future, all that kind of stuff. I try so hard to not take for granted what we here in Houston have the opportunity to do. First of all, Mark and I, we'd love having an opportunity to talk to the fans of the Texans, fans of the NFL. But, man, talking to Andre Ware and Spencer Tillman and John McClain is just such a blast. It's such an honor. It is really, really cool that we get to have them every single Monday and then joining us on All Access. I mean, it's I never will take that for granted. They are good friends. They're great people. Uh, they just are fantastic and uh, love them to death. And Spencer is covers college games. I mean, he knows the game as well as anybody. And, you know, as a – watch this. You want to see Spencer get mad? As a kid growing up watching Spencer Tillman, it's always kind of cool to catch up with him and talk some ball, no doubt, with Spencer Tillman. All right, we get back. Ultimate 11 plays of the year. I do a show every single Tuesday 
called Texas Replay, where I always look back. And I always do a segment called The Ultimate Level Plays of the Game from the previous game. Now, there would have been some good ones from this past game, but there's no replay show tomorrow because the season is over. So I will do just a segment, not the whole show, a segment of the Ultimate 11 Plays of the Year next, right here in Texans All Access. Here in Texans All Access. Here. I'm calling all of my Houston area teachers out there. You want to bring a little Texans football to your classrooms? Of course you do. Then sign up for Toro's Math Drills, presented by ConocoPhillips. Toro's Math Drills is a video series designed to help third and fourth graders learn how to tackle math in the classroom. Go to HoustonTexans.com slash Toro's Math Drills to learn more. Welcome back to the show. I am John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter, host of All Access, and also host of a show named Texans Replay. You hear it Tuesdays from 8 p.m. to 9 p.m. right here on Sports Radio 610 and in various locations throughout the state and a lot of different places. It's a fun show. It's always one in which I look back. So you can always find good things to look back on. We did a lot of Where Are They Nows this year. We look back at uh, four really cool wins, tough losses too. We always look back at those. We, we got to do it. Um, but some really cool moments along the way. Now, this obviously was not a season that we look back and say, that was awesome. But we did still see some pretty awesome things along the way. So I figured, why not do a season recap with no replay tomorrow? Why not? Because our this is it. It's the last hour of all access for the 2021 season. We go dark until after the Super Bowl. And then offseason 2022 starts the Monday after the Super Bowl. We'll come back. So with no replay tomorrow, I thought, eh, why don't we do an Ultimate 11 Plays of the Year? You know what? Why the hell not? It's radio. Let's have some fun. Let's look back at some fun moments. Football's fun. Didn't Crash Davis said in uh, Bull Durham, baseball's fun. Have fun. And they use some words I can't really say on the radio, but you get the point. So let's have some fun. You know, they only won four games. What are you doing? You know what? If you feel that way, get lost. We're talking some good, fun, ultimate 11 moments, starting at number 11 in week one. Now, all season long, we had the opportunity to talk to our pal Brandon Cooks. He showed up every single Monday no matter what, unless he was hurt. Then he couldn't. That was when he, when he couldn't do it. And it's San Francisco when, you know what? I'll tell the San Francisco story a little bit later. But we couldn't get to him for San Francisco because I had to interview him out in San Francisco. And we couldn't do it. Well, I'll tell you why later. It's kind of a fun story and kind of makes 2021 a very special year for that matter. But anyways, Brandon Cooks was outstanding. And it started in week one. We know Brandon can catch anything anywhere, anytime. One thing I never thought Brandon really was was kind of a 50-50 ball receiver, like going up over guys and catching it. Now, he's got about a 40-inch vert, maybe more. But it's not really his game, you know? But against Jacksonville, twice he made massive plays. And they come in at number 11. One back David Johnson on third and nine from the 42 of Jacksonville. Taylor gets the snap. They set up the blitz. And as a throw downfield, Cooks down there. And a fight for the ball inside the five. And it's a catch by the Texans. Jenkins and Cooks fighting for it. And Brandon Cooks. Tie goes to the runner. First and goal. Third down and inches. 
Here are the Texans, 25 seconds on the clock. Taylor gets the snap. Taylor with pressure. Taylor looking, gets out of it, left side, squares up, and heaves it long downfield, and caught by Brooks inside the 10-yard line. What a grab by Brandon. Timeout, Texans, 12 seconds left. And the Texans would score shortly thereafter. On a tie ride, Taylor to Danny Amendola touchdown. That ended the scoring in the first half. What a first half that was in the week one win over Jacksonville. Later in the year, as the Texans were looking for win number two, it would come against Nashville. And at number 10, well, the Texans ended up with four of these interceptions on the day. But there were two that were back breakers for the Tennessee Titans. The first one came when the Titans were trying to drive and score to take a lead. But that's when Kamu Grugier-Hill stepped in front to make a play. Third down and six, Titans at the Houston 18-yard line. Tannehill calling signals. Texans showing blitz here. Fitzpatrick in motion to the left side. Tannehill takes the snap. He's got time. He throws. It's picked off. Grugier-Hill, right side run. 30, 40 to the 50. Right sideline, 30. 20, 15, 10, 5, and he's down at the five-yard line. Could not make it all the way as Hilliard brings him down. But the Texans have a first and goal after the pick by Cabo Rouget-Hill. Now that did look awfully familiar because we had seen that in 2019. Justin Reed got involved to knock a ball away from Anthony Ferkser, landed in the lap of Whitney Merciless, and he took off in the same direction, running about as fast as Cabo Rouget-Hill was running, and away you go. This one was just Grugier Hill stepping in front, snagging it, and going the other way. The Texans then later had a 19-13 lead. But the Titans had the ball starting to get a little something going. But Desmond King, already having picked off Ryan Tannehill once, made it twice. This is 10-B, if you will. Third down and 13, Titans from their 26. Tannehill, shotgun, one back, bunch formation right. Here's the snap. Texans sending people. Tannehill hit as he throws. It's picked off by King. King has it to his right across the 30, the 25, the 20. King still going and out of bounds inside the 20-yard line. The huge takeaway for the Texans to stop Tennessee. Pouring down rain. Interception by King. An absolute bedlam going on in the sidelines. Man, what a day that was. All right, let's get to number nine. And when you set a record, you're going to go on the ultimate 11. And right before half, Kaimi Fairbairn set a record. Now, he has knocked home key field goals throughout his career. 2018, he had back-to-back game winners against both Indianapolis and Dallas. I mean, of all teams, take game winners. But this year against Seattle, he did something that no Texans ever done, that he's never done. And that was at a 61-yard field goal. And he did it against the Seattle Seahawks to set a team record. It is at number nine. 61-yard field goal attempt for Kaimi Fairbairn. The snap is down. The kick is up. It's on the way. And he's got it! A career-best 61-yard field goal for Fairbairn as time expires in the first half. And the Texans cut the lead to three. You know, going back and watch that play, I was standing back by the goalpost like I always do. And I looked in front of me and I saw DK Metcalf and I was like, oh man, oh God, no. Just no. And I'm watching the field goal and I'm watching it come down. And I'm like, I think he's got this. 
When I went back and I watched the TV replay, the offensive front did exactly what they're supposed to do. They all fanned out and started covering just in case Metcalf were to catch that ball. But he didn't because Fairbairn knocked it home from 61 yards. Woo, baby. All right, let's get to number eight. And two guys that I didn't think would link up for as important a play as it was at the beginning of the season. One was rookie quarterback Davis Mills. The other was number two wide receiver Philip Dorsett. The Jags tried to, brilliant, tried to bring blitz zero on Davis Mills. Well, he recognized it, and he flipped one down the field to his guy, Philip Dorsett. He made a great catch, Philip Dorsett did, in the Chargers game. I put this one in here because I felt like this was a more important play in the win against Jacksonville. It comes in number eight, Mills to Dorsett for 33 big yards. Third down and seven at the Jacksonville 44. Everybody loading up at the line with Mills in the shotgun set. Burkhead in the backfield with him. Davis with extra instructions. Bunch formation left side. Mills calls for the ball. Here's the snap. Here's the blitz. Mills airs it out downfield to his left and caught by Dorsett. 2015 dragged down at the 11-yard line. Dorsett with a first down of the red zone for the Texans. Griffin with the stop. Boy, I can see that throw floating in the air, and I'm like, boy, that ball is on the mall. He made a catch. Oh, that was really fun. That was great stuff there from Davis Mills and Philip Dorsett. All right, let's get to number seven. And seven yards away, the Texans sat in Tennessee, hadn't scored a touchdown on the road. I think it was like 240 minutes or something of that magnitude. It was just, it was not good. We didn't score for Arizona. We didn't score in Annapolis or Buffalo. And finally, oh man, it's Tennessee after the bye. Can we put a touchdown up on the board? Tyrod Taylor said yes, and it comes in at number seven. Second to goal at the seven. Here's Taylor out of the gun. Flushed out to the left side, trying to square up. Now he's trying to run across the five. Taylor dives in. Touchdown, Houston. There it is. Texans for six on the Taylor run. Their first TD on the road in two months plus. Yeah, you hear like that, two months plus. You're like, boy, that's a long time. And then you hear the actual amount of minutes it actually was, and you're like, Wow, uh, it was a long time, but it was a big touchdown. I put that one because it broke the streak. Tyrod scored later and led the Texans to a 22-13 win over the Tennessee Titans that particular day, and it comes in number seven. All right, let's get to number six and the clincher. Now, from, a, from an end-of-game standpoint, they didn't need a touchdown. Just needed to run the clock out in Jacksonville. But my man Brandon Cooks caught a little tunnel screen on third down, started to see a little opening, got a block, and I thought, eh, you know what, just go score, Brandon. And he did. Davis Mills to Brandon Cooks, scoring in the fourth quarter to cement Davis Mills' first win as a starting quarterback in the NFL. Third down and nine at the Jacksonville 43. Mills out of the gun. They throw the screen to Cooks, left side, trying to find some room. Has the first down and more. 30, 25, 20, 15, 10, 5. Rock and roll. Touchdown, Houston. Brandon Cooks to the house. Two touchdown wins aren't bad. And the defense was able to close it out. That's number six. Mills to Cooks on the screen. And Brandon Cook's doing the rest. Looking up at that scoreboard, I'll never forget that. Seeing him look up at that scoreboard and seeing what was behind him because nobody 
was going to catch that guy, no doubt. All right, let's get to our five final plays of the season in our Ultimate 11. And we fast forward to a well, it was a play that ultimately, I don't want to say it, it didn't decide the game. And in fact, had Nico Collins touched his knee down at the one, the Texans would have won this game 27-23. They just needed the first down. But then I realized, wait a second, this is Nico's first touchdown, right? His first touchdown ever. I got no problems with it. I really don't. Because one of our other moments that's coming up came as a result of Nico actually scoring this touchdown. So again, end of game analytics guy would be like, just go down. There's so much good about play number five here. Number one, Davis Mills decided to do this based on what he read on the coverage. This was a run play. If you go back and watch it, you can see there's a run play going the other way. But there's a pass tag on it that offensive coordinator Tim Kelly put on it saying, here's your run play. Oh, but oh, by the way, you've got this on the end of it. Nico ran that slant, got inside the corner. Davis stuck it on him, and Nico got in the end zone. It's play number five, this touchdown that made it 34-23 against the Chargers. First down at the Charger 13. Mills digs in, Burkhead of the backfield. Mills, quick pass. Nico at the five. Nico in the end zone. The dagger. Touchdown, Houston. My goodness. They're going to do it. And I absolutely got so charged up by Mark's call. I mean, just, oh, I get chills thinking about it. Now, to get to number four, we're going to stay in the same game, and that's against the L.A. Chargers. Score is 12 to 10, and it looked like the Chargers were going to try and put some more up on the board right before the half. But J.O., Jonathan Owens, made a great interception that got the ball back to the Texans. They had it about the four-yard line, and they just couldn't get out of the shadow of their own goalpost until Lenville Joseph got called for a defensive holding penalty. That gave the Texans a first down. Shortly thereafter, Davis Mills launched a bomb to Philip Dorsett, who made a tremendous catch. And shortly thereafter came Play number four, another bomb. Defensive back sitting low, Chris Conley ran by him, and Davis Mills, not supposed to look that direction, did look in that direction. And because of that, magic happened. Mills to Conley to take a 17-12 lead before the half. At the 41, first down, Mills in the gun, airs it out long down the right side, got a man, and touchdown, Chris Conley for six, rock and roll. Man, Mark doled out a couple of rock and rolls in that game against the L.A. Chargers. He brought a different flavor to this last one at number three for that Chargers game. I mentioned the Nico Collins touchdown that made it 34-23. to The Texans had an 11-point lead. Herbert and the Chargers are explosive. We saw that on Sunday night, man. Holy smokes. He throws rockets, but the Texans' defense was on one against the Chargers. Justin Herbert went back to pass around midfield, and Tavier Thomas was about to etch his name into Texans' history with this play at number three, a pick six to seal it against the Chargers. First down, Chargers at their 38. Herbert, shotgun, one back, Jackson. Five men across the front for the Texans. Herbert takes the snap. Herbert with time, floats the ball. It's intercepted. Thomas left side, 40, 30, 20, 15, 10, 5. To the house. Pick six. Merry Christmas. 
obviously in a four and thirteen season, there are going to be some some rough points, a lot of rough points. But that win over the Chargers, I mean, my God, that win over the Chargers, day after Christmas, holiday victory. You beat the Chargers, a team that was playing for the playoffs on Sunday night. Not only did you, you beat them, I mean, you beat them. You did it in all three phases. You had, I mean, the number of players that were on COVID that you played without in that particular game. Brandon Cooks was not in that game. Titus Howard was out of that game. I don't know how the offensive line even came together in that game, and yet Rex Burkhead ran for a buck 49. Mills threw the ball extremely well. Tav with that pick, he ended up being AFC Defensive Player of the Week that week. It was just, it's a victory I'll remember. Look, there are lots of them. Big playoff victories, the Raiders in 16, the Bills in 2019 that I'll never forget. Big wins, Kansas City in 2019 at Kansas City. There were so many big wins. That one against the Chargers I'll remember for a long time. There was a lot of joy in that building, and every single person wearing a Texans logo that day needed it, got it, and celebrated it as they should. All right, let's get to number two here. And number two actually has got two plays. Now, I for some reason going into the finale, I had a thought. I was like, you know what? We've been really close at halftime. Not really close. We've been close in games at halftime. Nothing really outside the realm of possibility. Get something going in the you know in the third quarter, and maybe you can get from fourteen to nothing to fourteen to three or fourteen to seven. We just have not been a second half team at all so I was like how rough has it been well I looked and I was like oh it's rougher than I thought we had had three touchdowns in the third quarter all season long up until Sunday against the Tennessee Titans and then we scored another one that gave us four well four touchdowns in the third quarter two of them came on the exact same Flea Flicker. I put them at 2A and 2B in chronological order. In week five, to take a 22-9 lead over the New England Patriots, Davis Mills found Chris Conley after Mark Ingram flipped him the ball back to throw it down the field. Week 17, 18, week 18, man, week 18, look at that, 17-game schedule, I always forget that. In week 18, this time, Rex Burkhead flipped it back to Davis Mills, who then found Chris Moore in the end zone. Same flea, flea flicker twice, two of the four touchdowns that Texas scored in the third quarter. Now, I want to score a whole heck of a lot more than four touchdowns in the third quarter going forward. But the fact they scored them on these two plays eh, means they're coming in at number two. Mills under center, hands off, and it's a flea flicker. Mills firing downfield to his right, wants Conley, has him at the five, he's in! The Texans score on the flea flicker. Three touchdown passes for Davis Mills. First down at the Tennessee 28-yard line. No Brandon Cooks yet this quarter. Mills feeds Burkhead. Flea flicker. Mills throwing downfield to his right. Hits Chris Moore. He's in. Rock and roll. Touchdown, Houston. Flea flicker pays off for the Texans. Their first score of the game. Now, oddity of oddities, if you will, uh, the Texans didn't win either game. Ended up losing by three both times, but Davis Mills dropping dimes on those two flea flickers, one to Chris Conley, one to Chris Moore. Now, at number one, and you probably figured it out by now, if you're going, wait, man, what? A, well, if you've done something you haven't 
done in 12 years. It's taking you 12 years to do this one particular thing. Eh, you're probably going to be number one. Now, Kaimi Fairbairn would have gotten there with that 61-yard field goal had it won the game or do something. So the Texans have never done anything like that. But I think even Kaimi would tell you, yeah, this one takes the cake. At 7-3, to three, Texans with a lead. The Jags had just kicked the field goal and decided they were going to kick the ball to Tremont Smith. Bad move. Number one, Tremont Smith goes 98 to the house. The first time for the Texans in 12 years. Tremont Smith, three yards deep at the end zone. Wright lets it fly, and Smith is going to make the catch at the two. Right side over the five, cutting left, 10, 15, through a little seam, 20, 25, 30, 35, still going, and he escapes out to the left side. 40, 30, 20, 10, 5, touchdown, Houston, rock and roll. Tremont Smith, coast to coast. Man, we got a few rock and rolls this year. It's kind of nice. There you go, number one, Tremont Smith, 98 yards, to the Hise, and he had a great return against Tennessee yesterday. Got called back for a penalty, but man, Traymond Smith, glad he is coming back in 2022. We are coming back, and I got to do predictions. I do it every single week, but this time it's playoff predictions because we won't be back on the air until after the Super Bowl. So I'm putting on wax playoff predictions, and what am I thinking? What do I think is going to happen tonight, Alabama, Georgia? That's next on Texans All Access. It's on Texans All Access. It's on Texans All Access. We got one final segment of this year's Texans All Access shows. I am John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter. And when this is over at 8 o'clock and I step away, if I were a, well, a, a, if I if I drank, I would make sure I went and got a Miller Lite. It's been a true Texas original since being brewed in Texas in 1975. That's the first brewed anywhere in the United States, right here in our backyard. It's the original light beer, and it's celebrating the 20th season of the Houston Texans. Check out the limited edition 16-ounce commemorative cans at your nearest beer store. Miller Lite's been a championship partner of the Houston Texans from the beginning. Great taste with only 96 calories and 3.2 carbs. However, you and your friends are enjoying Miller time this season. You can have the original light beer with great taste delivered by going to MillerLite.com slash buy beer online. Can you imagine being in college and being able to have beer just brought to you like that? Crazy. Find a delivery option near you. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Fort Worth, Texas, 96 calories and 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. Go get your Miller Lite and celebrate a season well-earned with me this evening. Now, I'll have a water, but you know what's in beer? Water. So you guys can celebrate all the same with Miller Lite. All right. I said this before. I got to put it on wax, as I like to say. I think that's, you know, that's probably a 90s thing to say, but who cares? I'm an old. Don't care. March turning 50. Don't care. But I got to get my playoff predictions right now for you. Because, like we said, this last segment before we go dark, we'll have podcasts and we'll do some of those things. And my Senior Bowl stuff, uh, I definitely will share with the guys at Sports Radio 610. So you'll have some of that stuff, but we just won't have our all-access shows. Mark and I um, and the crew sharing our thoughts about things going on. So got to make sure that we get our playoff predictions in order 
So give me my music, and let's go. Saturday, two games, both in the AFC. The Raiders will take on the Bengals. The Raiders eked into that number six spot. Am I right about that? No, I'm sorry. The five spot? I think the Raiders got the five spot because they're going to Cincinnati. I think the Bills got the three. So the Raiders are taking on the Bengals. And I know the Raiders won down the stretch. They, that game they won against the Chargers was just ridiculous, man. I mean, just crazy. But the Bengals rested some starters, a lot of starters, a lot of guys that didn't even go to Cleveland. They got guys back from COVID. Now, getting guys back from COVID, the double-edged sword there is how much did COVID affect them? Even if they got the mild symptoms or no symptoms, how much does it affect them? That could be an issue. But if Joe Burrow's ready to roll, and it sounds as if he is, he did. He was a little banged up going into that last week. He didn't travel to Cleveland. Cleveland got the win. Didn't matter. The Bengals are favored by six at home. I think this offense, if I had to pick a super sneaky dark horse in this thing, I would pick the Bengals. That offense is just so wild. They can hit you with Joe Mixon in the run game. They can hit you with Joe Mixon in the pass game. They can throw to Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, Jamar Chase. It doesn't matter. One of those three guys is good. You can't double them all. And if you double them all, they're going to check the runs to Joe Mixon. That offense is nuts, so. And I think they're hitting their stride at the right time. I think it's going to be very difficult for the Raiders to get a win. I think the Bengals will win their first playoff game in a very, very long time. I think the last playoff win for the Bengals was 1991, maybe? I think it was against the Raiders, too. Since he's favored by six, I'm taking the Bengals to win and to cover that six. Then later that evening in Buffalo, the Patriots and the Bills. AFC East round three. Patriots beat the Bills in Buffalo. Bills beat the Patriots in New England. And now they meet up with the Bills, a four-point favorite. Now, I don't think the Patriots have played very well. I think Mac Jones has not played very well lately. It's the playoffs. He's a rookie. I think there are going to be more issues for him in this game than it might appear. I think the Bills are better than the Patriots. I've thought that all year long. I think the Bills win this game and cover the four Both home teams are going to win on Saturday, riding the home field advantage. All right, let's get to Sunday. And I look at these games, and I think somebody's got to win on the road. Is it the Philadelphia Eagles going to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? No, it's not. However, the Eagles did play the Buccaneers earlier this season and had that thing within six at the end. They just couldn't get a stop. But that was in Philadelphia. That was on Thursday night. This is going to be in Tampa Bay at noon. That could be a sweltering Tampa Bay. I think the Eagles could. Oh, boy. I think they could melt a little bit. I think Tampa Bay is an eight-and-a-half-point favorite. I think they win this thing 35-21, win that thing by a couple touchdowns. I'm really proud of Jalen Hurts representing the H, representing Channel View. Love it. I just think they run out of gas against the Buccaneers. The Eagles have got, man, Eagles going to playoffs and got have three first-round picks. Three. That could be a team to watch in the near future. Then in the, in the afternoon on Sunday, 49ers go to the Cowboys. Watch this, Cowboys fans. Upset special. 49ers and Jimmy Garoppolo going to Dallas to beat the 12-5 Cowboys. I'm saying it right here. Not just because I saw the 49ers. 
the way that they played down the stretch. Now, that's the key. They got to play that way against the Cowboys. They play in the second half against the Rams. The defense was on lock. The offense was versatile. There was duplicity in the offense. Multiplicity, excuse me, in the offense. Duplicity, what am I talking about? Multiplicity in the offense. 49ers go in and beat the Cowboys straight up. Steelers then taking on the Chiefs. No chance, baby. Big Ben, glad you get to play a final game. The Chiefs are going to house them. House them. They're going to beat them by 21. It's going to be 35-14. And the spread's 12 and a half. So lay the points. Take the Chiefs. And then Monday night. Oh, boy. Cardinals taking on the Rams in L.A. where the Cardinals beat the Rams by 17 earlier in the year. And the Rams, boy, just when you think, yeah, that's the team. Then they come out and look great in the first half against the Niners. And then they just, oh, second half. Like, what the hell? I don't trust the Rams at all. But the Cardinals are beat up. Yes, J.J.'s going to be back apparently for the Cardinals, but I don't think Hop's going to be. I think the Rams, favored by four, win this thing by touchdown. This could be a bare-knuckle brawl. This could be 28-21. 27-20, something of that magnitude. But I go with the Rams to find a way to win win that thing by seven. It won't be more than seven, but it will be more than four. Rams win. Chiefs win. Niners win. Bucks win. Bills win. Bengals win. So of the six, I've got one road team winning, and that's the 49ers. If I had to pick another road team to win, I would probably pick the Cardinals. The Cardinals would be that team. But that's what I'm rolling with. So that will lead to divisional round matchup of the Titans taking on the Bills. Oh, wow. Titans taking on the Bills. Is my math right? Yeah. No, no, no. Titans taking on the Bengals. And the Chiefs taking on the Bills again. I'm going to go in an upset Upset, yes, calling it. Bengals beat the Titans, but the Chiefs beat the Bills. Bengals taking on Chiefs. Chiefs win yet again in the AFC. Over in the NFC, it will be the, let's see, the Green Bay Packers will play the San Francisco 49ers. Uh-oh. Ooh, boy, that is going to be wild. That is going to be wild. And then you're going to have the Buccaneers taking on the Rams in Tampa Bay. Go with Tampa Bay to win that. Go with the 49ers to upset the Packers and the Buccaneers to come out of that. We're going to have Chiefs Buccaneers yet again because this guy can't be original at this late in the show. Appreciate you guys for being here. Thank you so much. We will see you after the Super Bowl. Y'all take care. Have a great night and go Texans.